All right, let's uh, transition and change gears to hearing from the Word of God. So if you would, please turn to Luke 6, 46 to 49. You can see there that it's page 619 on those Bibles that are in the back of the seats there in front of you. All right, Luke 6, 46 to 49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. All right. So what if Jesus was serious when he said these words? That's been our series. This is the last passage in this, this like mini series in the book of Luke, uh, in this of Luke 6. What if Jesus was serious about these words? What he says then is, you would actually then follow them. You would actually then do what it says. You would put these words into practice. And he says, this is the way to be wise. So this is the Jesus way to be wise. The wise person, it's a very basic message, okay? The wise person hears the words of Jesus and then does it, <laughs> okay? That's the whole message. Hear it do it. You've you got two options. Hear it, don't do it. Hear it, do it. Those are your options. And I think a lot of us live in both those options at times in our lives. And we, we know the importance of actually following directions, following instructions. Though I'm sure if I did a raise of hands, a lot of you that throw out manuals you know, or like the building guide to an Ikea furniture set or whatever that might be, and you just kind of go for it, and then you got 50 pieces left over. Whatever that is, you might be that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person with the Bible, okay? Don't be that kind of person with the words of Jesus. We, we tell like little children, we say, don't touch the hot pan. Don't touch the fire. And if they touch it, they get burned. There's a consequence, right? That does not go well for them. There are all sorts of other ways that we do this. I think mind the gap in the London subway. Like if you don't mind the gap, you fall on a train track. That does not sound great. Okay, we don't want these results in our life. I enjoy doing, well, enjoy is a funny word, but I do triathlon. Okay, so I do triathlons. Uh, but <laughs> if I, I get all of this instruction from Greg Clark, my coach, he gives me all of these instructions, like do this, like I want you to practice these days. I want you to run this much. I want you to run this, you're gonna go this fast or this slow on purpose. You gotta eat this food. You gotta do all that. I could listen to all of his instruction as a coach and then just not do any of it and show up on race day. And I tell you, it will go badly for me. It will go very, very badly if we don't listen. I think of some of these kind of images like this. Do not stack. I think the stuff on the bottom's broken. Like, I don't totally know what's going on here. I imagine what the instructions were on this image, okay? So, make me a cake with a picture 
on the USB drive or of the USB drive. Uh, and <laughs> so somebody wasn't quite reading and following the instructions properly. I'm pretty sure they didn't want a picture of the USB drive on top of the cake. Uh, you know, and then you think of the, the people in this situation um, where <laughs> I'm sure that the painter wasn't supposed to do that, but I also think there was probably some instruction of don't park your car here at this time of day. And they did anyway, and there was a consequence. You can even see the cones that he likely moved out of the way, is my, my guess. Uh, so there, there's an issue. If you don't do what it says, you can know the instructions, but if you don't actually follow them or do them, it's foolishness. It's utter foolishness. And so again, this is a, this is a message, parables, in the Bible are, are um, it's really just like one point that Jesus is trying to make when he gives one of these kind of parable illustrations. One point, one point that's being made, and it's this. If we call Jesus Lord, then we must put his words into practice. And he gives a couple illustrations here of what happens if you do and if you don't, all right? And so that's what we're going to look into here. And the, the first, we're going to actually look at the second, the second one he gives first, the foolish person. He says, the foolish person builds their house on the sand, or in this one it says the ground in Matthew, in our NLT, it also says the sand in Matthew's version of this story. Uh, that's actually the, the same Greek word that's used both times, but it's just building it just on the ground itself with no foundation. And those are the people, Jesus says, that listen, but don't do anything. We see that verse 49. Just remind yourself of it there. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now, I grew up, uh, I don't know, any like long-time Christians around my age, probably Gen Xers, uh, we grew up with like this Salty, the singing songbook was one of these like kind of what seems very cheesy now, but I like loved as like a Christian music sort of video thing. And there's this song like, don't build your house on the sandy land. It said, don't build it too near the shore. Might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. You'll have to build your house once more. And so it goes on and on. I know you love when I sing, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, I always thought that meant it was on the beach. And so this story, it's not on the beach. Don't build it too near the shore. It's, this is really referring to what we would call a wadi. Can you say wadi? Yeah, come on, I like that. It's a fun word. Uh, or like a flood path, a flood plain. Okay, so this is a picture that I took of a wadi in Israel. This is in a place called Qumran. This is where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is leading towards the Dead Sea out there in the middle of this desert. It's kind of an epic desert-looking spot. Uh, and now I'm up on top of a tall cliff here. You can see a picture I didn't take of me sort of dangling a little bit, trying to dangle over the edge, but it was scary. Uh, so <laughs> looking over this tall cliff, and I'm up here in the middle of this area, this wadi, and then we even had our whole group hiked up. This is just right by where I took this picture. The whole group sitting up there in the shady spot, just really beautiful area, looking out over the Dead Sea and the desert landscape and all of that. Now, we are all having a beautiful time, which you can join us April 1st to 13th, by the way, calvarylife.org slash Israel. We're still, uh, we're still like have a few spots for our trip left. I'd love to have you join us. You could sit in this very spot unless 
On some trips, we've not been able to go to this spot because when they get word that there is rain up in the, up in the Judean mountains, okay, up in the mountains where you can't even see, if there's rain way up there, this area is closed to go to because this is what happens when the rains fall somewhere that you can't even see. This is the Qumran Wadi area. Can you imagine if we were sat, I'm like laying over that cliff while that is, while that is happening. So the, the rains happen. It's like a beautiful sunny day, but up way off in the mountains, somewhere you couldn't see. And this is the result. Now, a more local semi in Alaska result was someone that built their house too near the shore. The floodwaters rose, and that house was demolished and sucked into the flood. And then the trees even, too. Um, so that's, that's not what we want. We don't want that. That is foolish. Okay, that is the way of foolishness, Jesus says. So Jesus, all he's doing is saying, do what I tell you to do. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. Okay, this is what's going to happen to you. They would know these wadis. They would know what, how this was. Like they would know that you need to be careful because you don't know when the rain is falling somewhere far away. You're not going to be aware of when the flood waters, those flash floods could come and take you out. So it would be utterly foolish to build your house where I had the group sitting there enjoying a little teaching and our house was there on that sand and just put it there and then all of a sudden the rains come, washes your house away. Now, I was talking to friend Tom over here uh, about this the other day and Tom's a cross country running coach and he was, uh, he was working with some of his, some of his kids and that, were, that were on the team. And this one kid, as kids do, missed a practice. And so, you know how coaches, if you miss a practice, okay, the next practice then, you have to run a little bit farther. You have, always have some form of consequence. I was grateful that he didn't do it to the, the whole rest of the team. That's always, I hated my coach would do that. Uh, like when that one guy would always do something wrong and we all got punished for it. But this is where he said, okay, you gotta run a little bit farther on this run today. And so everybody else is gonna turn around and you have to go up and over this next hill. And then the other side of that hill, uh, you can turn around and come back. So they send them all out. They all go on their run. They all start coming back. And then that one uh, young man comes back seemingly maybe a little too quickly, okay? A little bit too much with the rest of the pack. And so Tom says, hey, did you do the, that extra part of the run up and over the hill and to the other side and turn around? And the guy's like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I did it, did it, it's good, it's good. And uh, it's just like, okay, now, did you actually do it? Did you do the extra part of the run? He asked again. Kid says, yeah, yeah, I did it, yeah, I did it. And he says, well, we actually had a coach on the other side of the hill waiting for you to, you know, for you to check in with to see if you did the rest of that. And the kid's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. What do you want me to do? And Tom's just like, I want you to do what I tell you to do. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to do some big thing to make it up to me. I just want you to do what we tell you to do. And here's the deal. It is for your good. Because like any good coach, he's not just teaching him how to run. He's teaching him integrity and character and hard work. He's teaching him all sorts of other things as well. There's so much for that young man in that lesson of doing that extra bit of work. And so 
when we, when we, like this is the same thing that Jesus wants from us. Jesus here is just saying, look guys, I just told you a bunch of stuff. This whole sermon, here's the end. The end of the sermon is, do the stuff I just said, please, right? Like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what I tell you to do. And he gives this illustration of this house falling. And a lot of times in what Salty, the singing songbook, told me was that you'll have to build your house once more because your house is going to fall down. But the scary thing is I think the illustration might be a little more that you go to sleep inside your house and the floodwaters come and you are washed away with your home and you're facing destruction in your life. It's not just standing on the sideline and dealing with a remodel, okay? It's our life is gone. And so we need to recognize how important Jesus says this is. It is foolish to hear these words and then not do what it says. And I think that's like important for us to recognize then who is the one saying these words? Who is the one giving these instructions? It's Jesus. It's the God of the universe. Who is Jesus? And who do you say Jesus is? If you say he is Lord, Lord, that's how he starts this whole thing. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord when you don't do what I say? What do you say? Who do you say Jesus is? If you acknowledge him as God, we will do what he says. Then he gives another illustration. And it's this illustration, or he actually gave this first, this illustration of the wise person. The wise person builds their house on the rock, on the firm foundation. And he says that is that they listen and obey. Let's read again, just to get it in our heads again. Verse 47, 48. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Now, let's look at this little image here that kind of just helps us. This is actually from that book, What If Jesus Was Serious, that some, some of you have been reading this summer. Is, okay, we've got our house, and a lot of what the world would look at is just saying, wow, pretty house. I like the windows. I like the decor. It's a nice, you know, you, you have yourself a beautiful house. I, I love all of that stuff on the outside. But what we have to look at is we go below the sand, below the soil, to the rock, and we build our foundation on the rock. That is what the wise man does. So then the question should be, what is the rock? Is the rock Christian theology? I mean, that's an answer. It's an, like kind of an intellectual answer. Uh, is the rock the church? I mean, that's kind of, you know, like an institutional answer or a way of thinking about it in that way. Is the rock Jesus? That's the always right Sunday school answer, okay? And, and like Jesus is called the rock in other scriptures. He's the cornerstone. He is the rock. He is our foundation. However, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, build your house on me here. He's saying, the rock is doing the stuff I say. <laughs> the rock is obedience, following through, putting my words into practice. That is the rock. So build your house on that, that when you hear God say something in his word, you do it. 
That's the rock of our lives. So I want you to just be kind of processing and considering that for yourself. Am I doing that? Do I have a life that does that? I like being able to see that this is a theme in other parts of Scripture. Proverbs 10, 25. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. So we see that in Old Testament wisdom literature. We see that in the words of Jesus. Then we see that in the New Testament um, as well in the epistles. James basically repeats Jesus' message. And he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So he even brings in that it's foolish to not. So he says, be, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. This is very, very important when we consider our lives. It is wise to actually do what it says. Uh, so uh, we've been talking about baptisms. We're having baptisms tonight at the beach. It's going to be awesome. And a lot of people are getting baptized. And I'd even encourage you, if you're still thinking about being baptized, really what baptism is, is living out uh, just doing what it says. We, Jesus gets baptized himself. So he sets an example. And then he says, go out in the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's commanding us to be baptized. So to be baptized, being baptized is like a wonderful moment. It's like a cool part of our spiritual journey. And it was really special to me. I remember in my own baptism. But it's not like waiting till you're ready for that moment. You're ready if you are saved. If you are a follower of Jesus who believes that Jesus is God and rose from the dead, if you are that, if that is you, you should get baptized. We are commanded to be baptized. It's doing what it says. And so I don't want you to think like you got to wait till you're ready or kind of like, I got to feel like you're ready if you're saved. So follow what Jesus says and get baptized. You can do it today. Um, it's not often I get to say you can do it today. So that's awesome. But it's that same way with other things in Scripture. Evangelism, giving, prayer, humility, living out the fruit of the Spirit, loving your enemies. All these sorts of things that we've been learning about, we're supposed to actually do that stuff. <laughs> You're right? We're not just supposed to like know about it. We're supposed to actually do it. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. And I think what's also cool is like, it's also for our best. It's for our good that we would live this way. This is not in some sort of way that's just like to bum you out. This is a way for you to have, it is your best life, but it's your best life because it's, it's the way of Jesus and the way that God has commanded you to have that best life. So how do we begin to live that? I think one of the key things that we can do is to develop a rhythm of life that leads towards putting Jesus's words into practice. So we want to be living a kind of life that is helping us be dwelling upon the things of God and then doing it, okay? So we're, we're thinking about it and then we're doing it. We're being with God and then we're doing the things that he says to do, right? So it's this continual life in that way. Another book or another image from that book by Sky Jatani that we've been talking about is this image that says, what is unseen defines everything. And it goes back to this house and shows underneath it, it's these unseen patterns of obedience that help us stay connected to that. That is what that rock is, right? That, again, that rock is obedience. 
The rock is obedience. So it's, sometimes it's these unseen patterns. What happens in your life when no one's watching? And not just integrity, like you didn't like do that bad sinful thing or something. That's not, that, that's part of it. But not just that, that's a little... Um, sort of like reactive. I want us to be proactive. And so how can we be focused on the invisible, that the rootedness that holds us firm that will then, you know, it does then show and display a beautiful tree, but it's that foundation on this obedience is, okay, how am I spending time in intimacy with the Lord? reading his word, meditating upon his word, time in prayer, in listening prayer, time in solitude with him, time of fasting, these spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that can really help us. Even Aaron's going to be starting a class called Life with God, like right now. And it's like, so, uh, not right now. You got a little time, Aaron. You can stay. Okay, just a few minutes. Uh, but, but yeah, we'll be having like this, this class. And you can, also you can read books on this and you can just begin to have these practices in your life that help you to be able to live that out then when the storms come. We are, we are living it out in the times of, of peace in the times where there is no storm, and we are then digging deep into these unseen patterns of obedience. And then when the storms come, because it's a, it's a when, not if the storms come. It says these storms will come no matter what. Challenge will come to you. Temptation will come to you. Even like laziness and apathy, like temptation, will come to you. And you need to be able to see, how will I respond to that? Or an open door to share the gospel comes to you. And it's just like, ah, uh, you know, like, have I been praying for that? Have I been asking God for the power for that? Have I been trusting in him for what he would do with that? That I could step into that moment of obedience and not feel like as freaked out about it or something, or not feel like I, I cowered and shrunk away. Whatever, like whatever that could be, that we have opportunities to be able to, to meet that storm, to be able to stand strong in that storm as we have patterns of unseen obedience and integrity and being with the Lord that prepare us for that kind of moment. Um, I was thinking with this too, it's like it's, it feels like maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I was thinking about kind of a word, and I've talked about this a couple times, but of this word of deconstruction, right? You've kind of seen a little bit of a movement maybe of people talking about deconstructing their faith. And I think that can be very worrisome uh, to some if there's someone that you know and love that says they're deconstructing their faith. That sounds scary. And it can be actually really scary. Um, it also can sort of be good in some ways if, with a big, big, big if here, okay? It's good if what you're doing is you are saying, I'm not gonna focus on as much the exterior of the house, okay? Or what like the design and decor of the house of my life. I wanna get away from maybe anything that I've received that is not of the word of God as found here in the scriptures, but I wanna build my life completely on what is in and only what is in the word of God. So if there's been stuff that's been tradition over the course of your life or that has come in from where we live and where you've been raised or whatever that might be that's sort of like been added to the text, it could be good to kind of get rid of some of that stuff and then build it back up on what is in the word of God. And I, so I think deconstructing is good if and only if what you are committing yourself to do then next is say, 
I will do what the Word of God says. No matter what the Word of God says, I'm going to start with saying, I will do it. Right? This is what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Okay, no matter what it says in this book, if I hate it or I love it, I will do it. I will do what God says. Will you commit yourself to that and then dig deep into the text, dig deep into the scripture with a heart of submission, a heart of the fear of the Lord? Like, if God says this, I better do it. That's good. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says. A healthy reverence and awe for God that I will submit and obey what he says. Because then you've got kind of stuff on different sides of, of things that some people struggle with or some people think about differently than each other, right? So you have some that are like, okay, well, uh, let's say like issues of gender and sexuality. And you're like, well, no, I think it's this. I don't care what the word of God says. I'm gonna develop my own definition of what I think is right. I, even before I would tell you what is right, decide that you will submit and obey what the word of God says about it and then do what it says. But then you've got other people on kind of maybe other sides that are like pride, power, greed, these sorts of, of, of sins. And you're like, no, that's fine. That's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's cool to be, you know, it's cool to like just tell everybody else they're, they're the worst and, uh, you know, and just like that kind of pursuing greed as like the greatest good, um, you know, like, you have to decide, like, will I submit to God's word and live my life according to what he says? It's all of it. It's all of it, okay? It's not issues just to the left or the right or issues that are, like, to the old or the young, whatever. It's all of it, okay, guys? So let's submit our lives to what the word says. That is what this passage says. Do what I say, and this will be your best. This will be for your best, when your life is built on the rock, when the floods come, you will stand strong. You've been living a life of obedience. You've been living a life that is seeking after God. You've been living a life that trusts in him for all things. And then when the storm comes, you will stand. So the, the thing that we gotta do now is start doing it. <laughs> it's pretty, again, it's a simple message. But I think we do need to reflect on our life a bit and even reflect on what were the words that he just said. So if you, I mean, I encourage you, grab your Bible, turn to Luke 6. Turn to Luke 6. If you haven't already, the back, uh, those Bibles, the back of the seat there, and your phone, whatever. You look at Luke 6. You can even look at Matthew 5 through 7. We have this Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, very, very similar sermons here. And these things we think of as like the most important sermon that Jesus gave this incredible teaching, well, let me like, let's actually do this stuff, right? And I think kind of like that proverb goes of uh, like how to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Like so you have to just take bites. You have to take small steps to, to get there. Okay, so baby steps here. And so that's why I'm just encouraging us with this response of pick one thing. Pick one of these things in Luke 6 that maybe you're struggling with actually living out and then do it. Now, that, that, might be, um, <clears throat> that might be loving your enemies. That seems like a hard one. That might be doing good to those who hate you. Maybe it's being compassionate. Maybe it's not judging others, especially those outside the church. Maybe that's examining yourself, looking at the plank in your eye before you look at the speck 
in someone else's. Maybe that's forgiving others. Maybe that's, as it says, give and you'll receive, trusting in God as you give. Being connected to the soil of God, like those good trees we saw last week. Don't worry in, in the Matthew 5 through 7. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about possessions. Trust in God. Uh, praying like the Lord's Prayer. Praying in that kind of way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Settling your differences quickly with someone. Maybe there's someone that you need to settle a difference with. And that's obeying, doing what God says. Give generously and discreetly. Keep your word. Don't take revenge on someone. Turn the other cheek. So I, I, don't, I don't know what it needs to be for you, but as we reflect, what is something that's hard for me now that I can say, okay, Lord, I'm going to work on actually doing this. I will put your words into practice. And then what I'd encourage you to do is talk about that with the person that you are discipling, okay? So that person that you are pouring into, that you are discipling, or the person that's discipling you, oh wait, I just said another thing that you're supposed to actually do, okay? So that's, if you're not doing that, maybe just do that instead. Start doing that, being discipled, discipling someone, being discipled by someone, helping like walk in your faith. But talk about that with someone else, and that is discipleship. So I wanna encourage you to do that, to put these words into practice. Let me pray. Um, and then as we reflect and as we worship and really fittingly sing this song, Build My Life, I will build my life on the ways of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I know this is a, a simple message, but it's also really hard to actually do. And so, Lord, I pray that these commands of you that especially maybe we struggle with, Maybe we disagree with or we don't think they're as big of a deal. Lord, I pray that we would take all of it and just say, Lord, we submit to you. Lord, your will and your way is what I will follow. Let me just say that in your heart right now. Your will and your way is what I will follow. Help me to do what you say. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit will give each person here the ability to do this, not of their own strength, but of your might, your power, as you have given us a new heart, a new heart. We don't have to clean up our heart, Lord. You give us a new heart. And may we live our lives out of that sense of your presence and power with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together.